Today on Sega Talk, we talk all things controllers, including variant controllers, third-party controllers, light guns, dance pads, samba maracas, twin sticks, and we even look at the future of Sega Dreamcast controllers, all on this episode of Sega Talk. SegaBits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what's not? Hello and welcome to an all-new, all-in-control edition of the Sega Talk podcast. I'm your host, George. And with me, like always, is my main man, Barry. See? I added something. Hey, what's up? You don't like that, did you? The main man, Barry. It was kind of like boomer humor, I guess. No, No, I just, I kind of prefer just the same intro every time. Like, and with me, as always, (laughs) is Barry. Okay, all right. No more. And then when I host, I usually do like, yeah, I, I usually like do some stupid joke. It's kind of my thing. So. All right, I'm sorry. I don't want to take away from you. I'm sorry. My bad. But yeah. uh, if you want to support this podcast and Barry's Boomer Jokes, you could support us on Patreon. Um, every dollar counts to uh, keep the show going. You could get your memories read in the end of the show. Uh, there's even higher tier packages where you could tell us what to talk about. Uh, so if you have a game that you hate and you want to see us talk about it, it's probably the good way to get us to talk about it. But on this mm-hmm. episode... We're going to be talking about the Sega Dreamcast controller, which is probably one of the most unique controllers for Sega since, like, the Sega Genesis and the Sega Saturn controllers had a lot in common. You know, they were both for 2D games. This is the first controller that Sega actually created from the ground up and was bundled with a console that was made for 3D games. Obviously, the other one would be the Saturn 3D pad for Knights. Um, So this one kind of went away with... From what Sega was known for, um, Sega usually had the six front facing buttons, high quality D-pads, but this one, they really rethought the whole thing. The shape of it is totally different. It's the first controller to have two uh, two triggers. Um, the Like I said, the N64 had one trigger, and uh, this one obviously has a VMU, which is unique, but it also has a analog stick, which is very important, obviously. And uh, I think a lower a lower quality D-pad because I think at this point Sega was trying to save money and they said most people are going to be using the analog stick for 3D games and it was the trend back then to use more analog stick. Um, outside of that, there was the VMU, which is obviously very unique, but I think that could use its own episode. So I didn't do that too. I didn't put that in the notes too much, or we would go overboard on notes. Yeah. But I want to absolutely. start off the episode. By asking Barry what your initial opinion of the Sega Dreamcast controller when it was announced and how it's growing mm-hmm. with you over time and your opinion on haters that do not like the controller. Uh, yeah, so when I was, I mean, my, my Sega console evolution really went from the Genesis to the Dreamcast. I didn't own a Saturn until after owning a Dreamcast. And so I really, I went from that six button pad um, I mean, obviously the you know the three buttons on the original Genesis, but I mm. my main Genesis controller was the six button, 
And then when I was seeing this being teased or, you know, like revealed, really, I was like, wow, like this thing looks wild. And not only that, but it like the shape is very memorable. It's just like I, I don't I think very maybe the N64 is the only other console where the controller is just as unique, if not more unique looking than the console itself. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of like design, designy, aesthetic y things going on with it. So when I saw like these little points here, I thought that was very unique. Like you look at the Genesis pad and it's just kind of like a basic shape that fits your hands well. But when I saw this, I was like, wow, there's like a lot of interesting things going on that obviously aren't for the form factor. They're just kind of there for the aesthetics, like the circle, mm. which looks like the console itself. Um, one thing that threw me, though, is the four buttons. I was so used to Sega having three or six that that seemed strange to me. Um, the, the, the triggers were new to me. I thought those were really interesting. And then, of course, seeing the magazines with the, the VMU, like, that was next-level stuff. Like, that was amazing. And I was like, how much is this thing going to cost? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, I was kind of looking at this the same way that people were maybe looking at the Wii U, you know, where they're like, oh, my God, the controller has a screen in it. That's insane, <laughs> you know. Um, it, it, it was all crazy in all, though, I loved it, though. Like, when, when I finally got my hands on it, I just, I love the feel of it. It, like... I mean, look, it fits my hands perfectly. I don't know if maybe it's a size thing, but my hands are, like, made for the Dreamcast. And I've played this thing so much, I don't think it'll show up on the camera, but this is a dirty controller. Oh, I think yeah. this is the... I tried to find the one... I, I own about eight Dreamcast pads, um, but this is, I think, the oldest one I own. Let me see. Yeah, because it... Yeah, see, it's kind of squeaking here. I'm putting that in the microphone. Um, and it's very dirty. There's like a bunch of dirt in there, and I just crusted. There's like some crusty stuff here. Oh, uh, and I mean, I should clean it, but this is also like, like 1999 gunk. That's it's worth something, there. right? Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. I think people pay more on eBay with the 99 gunk. Like, it has to be certified <laughs> 1999 gunk. You know, like watching Absolutely. the Sopranos gunk. But I just I never understood the hate for it though, and and it's it's one of those, it's one of those many things in gaming where it's like it seems like there's this consensus that it's bad, just like there's this consensus that like the American design of Sonic for the box art's like terrible. Like to me, I'm like that's Sonic though. That's that's what sold me on the game. Like, am I Oof. supposed to hate? Am I supposed to hate this and Sonic One now? Like the two best things from. The 90s for me. Like, I can't. I love this pad. I love it. And you know, a little bit of the other stuff that really got me when I first saw the controller, like, when I first held it, you know, and, like, I was impressed. It was, like, I don't know why, but, like, the idea that they even put a little thing so you could put the cord behind the controller, you know what I'm talking about? Right behind it? Right. Yeah. It was, like... They really put attention to detail. I really do. I, I agree with you. I like the VMU. I think the shape of it is really unique. I think a lot of people's grip is, like... The joystick not being high quality compared to, like, I don't know, PlayStation. But, like, I was trying to think at the time, what other controller had a rubber, like, analog stick? Like, the Nintendo 64 was notorious for having a bad analog stick as well. You know what I mean? They right. would always come out loose. Right. Um, yeah. So, I would say they did that better. I think there was changes that happened after Sega. Like, the pressure-sensitive buttons and stuff. 
that make people mm-hmm. think, why didn't Sega do that? And it's like, well, nobody else did it. Why would they add more cost to the controller back in the day? Because mm-hmm. I do remember the Dreamcast controllers were the cheapest controllers at the time, uh, officially. So I, I feel like they were good enough right. for what they were and, the, and where they priced them at. That it to me it made sense. I think obviously. What was the price on them? I'm, I, I think I saw them. I, I, I want to say thirty or forty, like something like that. It was like 40. I think twenty nine ninety nine yeah, seems saying. right. So it was like yeah. not even the price of a game, which is kind of crazy because I remember. Which we'll talk about when we get to the third-party controllers. We're just going to look through them. But I remember buying right. the cheapest controller at the store. And I'm like, it was only 30 bucks. Why was I not just buying the official one instead of garbage? But, you know. Oh, I can't wait to get to the unofficial ones. Those things are crap. But, yeah. yeah so um, let's uh, get into the episode. Um, development. I mean, what are you... This is one of the things that always pe- pisses me off because I like I could do an interview with someone like Hideki Sato that created the Dreamcast just on controllers. I'm like, let's talk about the variant controllers and what you guys were thinking here. No, no magazine does that. It's always the most basic questions, you know. And they let him talk, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. we did a previous episode of the Sega Dreamcast where we focused and went more into the development of the actual hardware. And uh, the competition between the USA and the Japanese team, and what the and the, what the Dreamcast would be. In in the end, longtime Sega hardware designer Hideki Sato was the one that designed the console. Starting well, he started designing Sega consoles all the way in 1983 with the Sega SG-1000. So it's not surprising that he actually won the battle here with Sega and became the developer of the Dreamcast. Um, so in an interview early on, uh, in this interview with um, Shoot 'em Up Lations, which they do great uh, translations, you guys should check it out. They did this. Uh, they translated this 1998 um, Sato interview where he talks about all his uh, consoles he's designed, all the way from you know Saturn, Genesis, you name it. And he he let it slip in this interview that the Dreamcast uh, originally was supposed to have a front-loading GD-ROM. But uh, they had to change hmm. it because they wanted to keep the design of the of the unit to be more cube-like. He even said GameCube-like. And this is like 1998. I'm like, did they ever show off the the GameCube back then? So maybe it's no. like a collection of re- of interviews <laughs> starting in 1998, I'm assuming. Um, well, yeah. this isn't controller-related. I do want to discuss your opinion on this. So uh, since we didn't get to it on the Dreamcast uh, podcast... What is your opinion of a right. front-loading Dreamcast? Like, it would look exactly like the Wii, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I don't think it would be a good idea just because all of the front-loading hardware that I have has busted. Issues. Like, my PS2, PS2 that pops open, stopped working. My Xbox stopped working. Um, my, not from, I don't have one, but the the... Sega CD that has the front-loading tray. I've heard those are notorious for not working. So, to be quite honest, the less moving parts, the better. And I think the the pop-open ones are really good because you can't you can't eat the disc. You know, mm-hmm. like you're going to be able to get it open no matter what. Um, honestly, I think that's <laughs> kind of the one downfall of modern consoles is all of these like auto feeding disc things and. You can't just quickly check and see if there's a disc. It's so much time to be like eject. And you have to hold it for a while, and then you're like, is the disc stuck? 
Okay, here it comes. And then it like sucks it back in before you can grab it. You know? Oh, yeah. I I don't like that. But yeah, I would not like a front loading Dreamcast. Well, I would agree with you because of the same thing you said. Like, Sega had the Sega Model 1, CD Model 1 that doesn't work usually. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Yeah. consoles were notorious. Like, the, the PS2 tried it. But I think after that generation, they got a little bit better. Like, I would say the Wii, I never really had a problem with the front loading disc tray. Um, personally, I've never had with it. So, and I, I, there's other consoles that just came out more recently where, I, like the PS4, I never had an issue with it really. So, maybe it's something that they got better now. But back then, definitely, like, especially 98, like, yeah, you probably should just stick to what works, you know. In the end of the day, you want a functional <laughs> right. console, you know. Um, right, exactly. After his talks about the front-loading Dreamcast, Sato said, and I quote, One thing I truly wanted was wireless controllers. Those long cords are annoying. Next time, it will be wireless for sure. And he laughs. Probably laughing yeah. because he knew. They're out of that console hardware business, baby. They're, they ain't never happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. As we all know, one thing holding back the Dreamcast from having wireless controllers was the fact that they used the VMU for the controller. Uh, do you think it would have been more smart to like give up VMU functionality on the controller? Like you could still connect it to the console, maybe, or have a cord or something that comes with it mm. outside of like, um, and then having wireless controllers. And again, no console shipped wireless controllers back then. So this is is having a wireless right. is not a big deal again. Yeah, it's it's the classic like case of people looking at things that came afterwards and go, why didn't Dreamcast have that? Well, mm-hmm. obviously it couldn't. Um, I I wasn't bothered by the cords. Uh, I think the cords themselves are very long. Like the ones you get, like here it oh, is. Yeah. I'm I have my arms stretched out and look at this. Here's the end. Oh, like here I'll. This is the length of my arms, and look how much more I still have at the end. Like, it's very long. Oh, yeah. And the ex- the extenders, I have two extenders. I-, I can sit, like, you know, 20 feet away from the TV. It's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, I-, I have to wonder if it if it is even possible, because I know Retrobit planned to release wireless Dreamcast pads, and they still haven't. Oof. And it makes me wonder if they were discovering that you could not have a wireless VMU. Like it would corrupt the data, I, you know, thinking, or something. I'm thinking the same thing because I mean, I did. I, it is the end of the episode. We'll talk about it, but uh, their their plans for a new Dreamcast controller, which they're calling the Ultimate Dreamcast controller, and it mm. hasn't came out. I do agree. I think there's right. some issue with it. Um, if they get it working, it's something the Sato never did. That would be interesting. Um, but outside of that, I have to agree. But you I know have what they could agree. do? What they could do though. Is th- what they could have done at the time is made a wireless version of the Dreamcast pad, so it didn't. It lacked this. It was just like that. This had no screen. It was all filled in. You could still put the Rumble Pack in, and then what it did was it had a dongle on the um, on the console itself, and you could a little port for your Dreamcast VMU, and it maybe had a little stand. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you could put. If you wanted to look at your VMU while you were playing with your wireless pad, you could just put an extender and have it sitting next to you so you could glance over at it. It's not necessary, but it's like something you could do. And maybe they could even play around with that and then be like, well, you can put it next to your bed and now you have a clock, (laughs) you know, or something stupid. Yeah, I mean, they had gimmicks like that all the time. 
I just remember that there was a point where they were like, we're going to make the VMU uh, a part of your daily life. Yep. <laughs> you know, like yeah. MP3 players and things. So I could totally see them being really into that. Yeah. I am surprised they never released a official wireless controller. I know that the GameCube had one that was really, really popular and had like really positive feedback, but it was like really expensive at the time. I'm surprised Sega didn't try. Bird, yeah, it? yeah, that's what it was called. Yeah, and uh, I don't, I never knew anyone with that controller, but it must have been sick though. It was pretty big. I had like a big battery, I remember. But uh, let's talk about some Dreamcast controller prototypes. Uh, I think one of the reasons I wrote this episode was actually because of all the prototypes that we got released, and I kind of wanted to talk about it. I got interested in it. Uh, I think uh, Sega made some really unique controllers when they did these like prototypes so uh let's look at the first there's a few pictures here we'll flip through them and stuff of the unofficial mm. controllers here we first we got the the molds i think these are the molds and some sketches and uh you have this like really round controller up in the top left hand corner which is like i mean i don't know what they were thinking it looks like a spaceship kind of like a ufo the second one they kind yeah, of show a you fight pad that looks like that mm-hmm and then in the middle, they mm -hmm. show you this other one that they have. I'm assuming this is just like a controller. It looks symmetrical. But the next one, the third one, is like the yeah. weird one. It's like a half arcade stick, half controller to use as a regular controller. It's like they wanted to blend the idea of Sega's arcade home thing with a controller and make it an official mm -hmm. like hand arcade controller. Maybe you could use it one-handed. I don't know. It would be hard. That's I mean, you would have to... Yeah. You wouldn't be able to hold it like a traditional controller with two hands. You would have to tap the buttons like an arcade on the second. Um, and then there's that last controller, these two, three controllers on the bottom, which are just kind of like a variant of the spaceship look that uh, the official controller had. I think the official controller looks better than all of these. I don't know about you. Because um, like they're trying to go with this futuristic design down here. If you see the middle, the sketch, nothing. Oh, I and agree. Then we have the, yeah. the next picture, which... It's the same controllers, but like, just like the molds of them in different angles. And as you can see, none of them were colored. I don't know how far they went in, but the bottom right is the official Dreamcast controller they finally uh, win with. And it looks obviously way more developed than all the other controllers. Um, right. And then here we got the uh, just sketches of the controllers in different colors. So you can see the color scheme. One of the controllers was trying to be blue and white. That's kind of crazy. And I actually kind of like the idea of like an orange D-pad or something. I feel like the Dreamcast needed a little more color in the original controller, but pretty cool. Here's the controllers all together. Um, this is actually an iconic picture right here because uh, this is the one that everything is shared by everyone. Um, there's one controller here that we haven't talked about, and that's the Wii controller. Right, the this is probably the one that everyone talks about the most, right? The canceled Air Knights controller, which uh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a few sketches of it here. What it's gonna look like from the bottom? It kind of looks like a heel, like a like a woman's shoe, like the bottom of the heel thing. <laughs> like she, they unslipped it. Um, the idea behind it was that he was supposed to make a game, like a wireless game, sort of for like called Air Knights that never came out. And it was supposed to be kind of like the Sega Saturn 3D pad that was bundled with Knights for the Sega Saturn. He was supposed to have his own controller. Um, 
The idea behind it was it was supposed to be motion sensory censored, like um, sort of like the Activision or whatever it was called for the Genesis. That some people mm-hmm. considered it. I don't know. It was it was going to have all the technology that the Wii had, like the gyroscope and stuff. But uh, what is your opinion on and the Air Knights controller being compared to the Wii Wii And uh, do you think there was a market for Knights Two on the Dreamcast with its own controller? Um, I mean, I think you either make a Knights game that utilizes the Dreamcast pad, but I, I don't think you make a specific pad just for Knights. But I do like the idea. I just I also imagine a future where. They did this, and people are like, man, remember the Dreamcast had that really stupid remote control controller? (laughs) The motion one? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they kind of did do some motion control with um, the Sega fishing controller, which is part of the episode. Um, And people used it. So it's interesting. I'm assuming a lot of this technology was reused for that. Um, So, yeah, it never came out, sadly. So... So let's talk about the earliest look on the of the Dreamcast, right? So the early the mm-hmm. earliest look we ever had of the Dreamcast was we got in like weird colors and never got released, which I thought was interesting because I really really love variants. The first and also like the V um, the VMU never had a, a Sega logo. The where the Dreamcast logo is on the controller, it was never there in the early controller phase, and its start mm-hmm. button was a circle. So the first controller we saw was Yuji Naka holding it, and he was holding like this like banana yellow or orange color controller. And I really really love this controller. It never got released. There's n- this controller. This controller never came out. Uh, what would you th- you think that's like a banana yellow or is that an orange? I think it's an, maybe like a Dreamcast light orange controller. Um, I thought it would be cool if they did like a opposite colored. Con, you know, console where it was orange instead of white, but this is yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know if that's like a material they use that just gave it that look. You know, it almost looks like it just sat in the sun, but it just doesn't kind look of. like an appealing color. I love unappealing colors. Though. That's my thing. That's that's my jam. <laughs> uh, here's the next time we saw it. This was at E3 1998. Sega of America's Burning Stolar uh, would reannounce the console for America and show off the Dreamcast for the first time in the North American market, which featured him showing off a bright red Dreamcast controller with a bright red BMU at the time still called BMS. Um, We never got a red controller in the U.S., but I mean, it's sick that he got one. I really, I wonder if any collector ever got some of these prototype controllers because like they have to be somewhere, right? I bet some high-level executives held on to them. Um, did you have? Did, were you into Sega and they showed you some rare Dreamcast stuff? They never showed you anything like a prototype controller like this. No, no prototypes. They showed me the Seaman Christmas bundle, um, but everything they showed me was like consumer. There wasn't yeah. anything like behind secret. the scenes or uh, yeah. That's... And and if anything, this was they moved into this office since the Dreamcast, so I don't think any of that stuff would have made it with them. Can you believe the person that got that uh, Dreamcast uh, Xmas variant that's only 850 units made? Man. Probably got it for like 10 bucks, too. That... What I don't get in the gaming industry is it's so common for them to be like, oh, yeah, and then when we move, people took a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, 
every single place I've worked at, you're not allowed to do that. Why is it okay? You know what I mean? Like, if Sega wants me to raid uh, their closet, call me up. I'll it's go. It's so over weird. There. It's so weird. Um, yeah. this right here, the picture is the official Dreamcast uh, press photos that they sent out for press. This is just shows off that the start button is different. There's no logo yet. Um, what is your? Pro- mm-hmm. Why do you think? Why do you think they like waited so long to change the start button to like a triangle? Like I always thought that was kind of iconic. You know, there's no controller that had that in the in the past. You know. Yeah the the triangle was on the console itself for a long time. I mean, since the beginning, from what I've seen. Uh, but the thing is, is when you look at the controller. If you want to mimic that, you'd have they'd have to do the triangle the other way. It's upside down the way we have it. Mm-hmm. But when you think of this being a start button, if this triangle matched the console, your thumb would be going to this little point all the time, which would be kind of uncomfortable and hard mm. to push. Yeah. So I almost feel like internally they were like, well, if we mimic the console, then the arrow will be the other way around for it to work in, with the form factor. Let's just do a circle. A circle makes sense. And who knows? It might have been like a rubber button, like the Saturn. Remember the Saturn had yeah. like a rubber button? It looks like a rubber button um, right here. It does. So my guess is that they wanted to do the triangle. Either they wanted to do the triangle, but they didn't think it would feel good to press. So they want, they went with the rubber button. But then to cut costs, they went with the plastic button, which allowed them then to go back to this. I don't know. It's... I mean, this is great. It works great. And it looks good. I think, too, when you look on the options menus and stuff, if it just says press and it shows an upside-down gray triangle, you know. You know, you know. Yeah. But if it shows... And, and when I play Xbox games, it'll be like, press, black circle. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. black circle. Where what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's this little black button on top of the black console. Like you put black on black, it's the most un unrecognizable thing. Make it a shape, you know. Make it a color. So yeah. I will say that it looks a little like empty without the Dreamcast logo on the controller and uh, on it the sure DMU without yeah. the Sega. Um, I, yeah. I, also they took that triangle on the console was changed too. It's like right here, it's see through white. Instead of the gray on the on the lid, the Japanese one was uh, see through all see through. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. Well, that's mm-hmm. cool. Um, it's better. <laughs> better for sure. So let's it talk is. about let's talk about Dreamcast bar- uh, controller variants. Um, yeah. This is one of the coolest aspects of the Dreamcast because like. Before this, Sega didn't really have that many variants. I'm trying to think of variant consoles. It's like six Game Gears were probably the closest to variant consoles. It's like the Genesis never really, outside of the remodels, they didn't get like a red mm. Ge- Sega Genesis in America or anything cool like that, right? Uh, controllers were always black. They stuck really, I think in Japan, they started doing that with the Saturn, with the gray and the white. They probably started seeing that it started moving units. It, but it just became crazy with the Dreamcast. It's like somebody at Sega was like, all right, I have all these color ideas and color combinations. We got to pull them out there. So every region in Japan, there was 30 varying colors for controllers, including wow. consoles that they were bundled with sometimes. 
in Europe in in USA it was like I think in Europe it was like five really I put six here and in the US it was about five without you know without co- talking about the original controller um, I mm. will say obviously that Japan got the most unique variant controllers which sucks because I think the console did better in America and it, we deserve these controllers more but whatever. Before we get into these varying controllers, what's your opinion period uh, opinion on varying color controllers and, and collectibles? And uh, are you more about the functionality, or do you like to collect these little controllers? Like whenever like the Switch gets a uh, special pink controller or whatever for some character, do you oh. ever go and pick up your second controller like that, or do you just go in and go, give me the, the that one? I don't really care about the look. Yeah, no, I, I really don't care about variant colors, especially when they make them, like, hard to find. Like, I'm not going to hunt them down. Um, I'm in a lot of video game groups on, like, Facebook and stuff, and I just, like, I I find myself caring less and less about, like, the Dreamcast community, unfortunately, as time goes on. Is it getting too um, toxic Mainly because... No, there's, there's, there's three types. There are people who just use the community to post, like, shit posts for general gaming. Like, there will be, like, Grand Theft Auto memes, and I'm like, what is this? I'm here for retro Sega stuff. The other type are all about, like, uh, uh, emulating and, like, and like uh, Raspberry Pi and this and that to the point where they're not even discussing any of the original hardware or games. It's just, like, pure, like weird techie stuff that I don't care about. Like, go go make your own group for that. And then the third one are the ones who are just collecting to collect. And so you'll see people who are like, hey, I'm 15 and I just spent $300 on a yellow Dreamcast controller. And it's like, good for you. I didn't buy it back then because it looks like shit. Like, I hate the yellow controller. And, and it's people just like drool over, oh, it's rare. Yeah, so it's good. Well, I never, um, I never owned the yellow one, so that's good. I do own, I own this one. I got it not too long ago because these are super cheap. The black ones. Oh, that's my favorite. Those one. are the easiest ones to find. Oh yeah, that's my um, favorite one. That's the one I used growing up. Yeah, and I got the green, green and red. But like, I don't seek these out. If I like see them, I'll just pick them up. Um, and then I got this. This is actually really cool. I got this one from a friend, uh, Steve who's been on a Swing and Report show, and he gave he got me a Millennium controller oh, from yeah. Japan. Yeah. And, and inside is a... This is actually... This is rare, and it's actually cool looking. It's a pink, clear pink VMU. Oh, yeah. Those came with the... See? Passion Pink, they're called. I memorized the colors. Yeah. Um, and then I got my blue one in there, too, so... Oh, yeah, the blue one's sick. I mean, that one's the one that came with the uh, Sonic... <clears throat> Dreamcast bundle. I think they came with the blue one too, the transparent. Man, your so, controller yeah, is stacked. Mean, I like them. Like, yeah, look at that. Look at all them colors. I like them, but I don't like seek them out and I don't drool over them and I, I don't display them. Like, it's cool if you do, but I don't think it's if cool. if I find does that some make of, sense? Like, it's cool no. you do it, but I mean, like I said, I only <laughs> if I was going to buy a second controller for like the PS4, I will obviously go for right. a varying color instead of buying the. Yeah. Whatever the original color, black, I think it's the original color of the PS4. Right. So if it comes to that. Tip, if you, sorry. Yeah. On. Well, I was going to say a little tip, though. If you're if you're traveling to Japan or you're on, like, Japanese auction sites and there's, like, as-is or broken bins or things like that, look around because you'll probably find ones that are, like, yellowed and possibly 
not working. But all you do is you buy them and then you just get a basic pad and you just swap out the shell. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're all made the same. So, like this one's yellowing. You can't see it really on the video, but this one's yellowing here. If I ever wanted to, I could just swap it out. But I don't know if it's the same color. That's what's interesting. Like, I don't think this is a yellowed gray. Isn't that strange? It is strange. And we'll talk about it because there's some bizarre colors here. Um, I The pictures, if they were released in, e in every region or in two regions, i put them together just so we could save time. The first variant controller is the blue, which is kind of weird because in America it was it was called clear blue. In Japan it was hmm. blue. Uh, just In Europe it was just called blue. And in Japan it's called aqua blue, but it feels like the U.S. blue is darker blue while... Uh, UK and uh, Japan got the lighter aqua color, whatever. Yeah, cool. I see that. Um, then we got the lime green uh, or clear green in America, lime green in Japan, just green in Europe because they don't have any talent to name these cool colors like cucumber green or something <laughs> like that, you know? Um, I never right. owned a green one. I did own a blue one and a black one that you showed, but this is very cool because the next one is uh, clear red. Um, and this one's only in, in the West released, I think. I think there's a variant of it in Japan, but they like did something to it so they can make it exclusive. But now you got Christmas yeah. colors, right? The, I mean, you got the green, the red, Christmas is all set. And, uh, <laughs> right. the one you, the one you hate the most is next. Should I just, oh, oh wait, did I take it off? Oh, the, no, it's the clear one first. Sorry. This one, this one is called Smoke in Japan. Um, this is actually my favorite controller. You have it, the the Smoke. It was the one that that I I pay, played with the most on it. Mine's like completely broken. Dude. It's it's confusing though because sm people will incorrectly call the clear one Smoke when I think the clear one's called Skeleton. It's it's actually called um, like charcoal anthracite anthracite. So that's right. what the official I own I own an unofficial like completely clear see-through shell and I've been long looking for a completely clear controller but I don't either either they don't exist or only the VMU exists but they call them skeleton there is so, one in Japan yeah there is one in Japan we'll get yeah. to it but there is one in Japan. always there always is um, Japan gets everything dude I swear man I don't understand it they hated the Dreamcast yeah they got everything um, so let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about exclusives, right? The the only yes. exclusive, technically exclusive, is uh, the Sega Sports. Oh, I forgot about the yellow. The yellow one is rare. Whatever it Oops. looks like piss. Whatever. Next, the Sega <laughs> the Sega Sports one, uh, which came with the console yeah. that was bundled with. I, I have that. Oh yeah, I do. I, I think a lot of people have this one. I, my friend has it too. It was weird. He went and bought it on eBay because he's like, it's all black, and he want and he like took off the the Sega Sports logo because he hated it. He just wanted a black uh, console, but uh, it came with NFL and NBA 2K web browser 2.0 disc and the Generator Volume 2 demo disc. Retailed for one sixty nine ninety five, which is a damn good price back then. And it came out on right. September 12, 2000, missing the console's one-year anniversary by three days. This is the only variant-colored mm. console re uh, released in North America. Unlike previous controller, this one has a black analog stick, black D-pad, and the black VMU slot instead of the typical gray. Um, there's 
this is actually they like took a controller from Japan and then they slapped the Sega Sports logo on it. By the way, I mean, we'll look at that one next. I mean <clears> later, but that one's cool. Uh, it's exclusive to North America. Then we have yeah, you know, done. I I was gonna say I think the big thing with that one is when when the Dreamcast was coming out, it seemed like and I'm gonna go back into camps. There was the, like the the anime Sonic Japanese fans. And then there were the more like sports gaming fans, first person oh, yeah. shooters, those sorts of guys. And very rarely did they like meet in the middle. So you would have people going, ah, oh, sick, black Sega Sports Dreamcast. And then you'd have like the RPG Sonic fans going, Ugh, it has sports on the cover. I hate sports. And it wasn't until years later when people like myself who would be like, uh, it says sports on the cover, is now like, oh, that might be worth something soon. I should probably pick it up before it starts to go up in price. And that's exactly what I did a few um, a few years ago, like three or four years ago, I picked one up. So, yeah. Honestly, they could have uh, like not done the, the just the sports logo and just made it all black and still bundled it with sports. And I think it probably would have done a little bit better just to tell people like, I got oh you got the white Dreamcast I got the black one like all black like right it I I think yeah looking back they could have just not put the logos on the controller and the lid and I think it would have sold more because people go oh it's it has a few sports games but that's really cool looking yeah and it's the yeah. only variant really we got so but uh, the next one is UK exclusive and this one I don't even know if you could even list this as a variant because of how rare it is but. It's the Sonic the Hedgehog 10th Anniversary Controller, which came packaged with a console. The console itself is all blue, while the controller it seems like a regular modified UK controller with a Sonic the Hedgehog decal with a silhouette that says Sonic the Hedgehog. The VMU slot mm-hmm. is all blue. Um, according to Sega Retro, this package was only given to Sega Europe employees and not sold at retail. It's so rare that we can only see these low-quality images of it. Um, Obviously, I don't know anyone that has this. I'm assuming this is like a sought-after uh, bundle in the Sonic community. You yeah. know, there's a lot of Sonic yeah. collectors. I do wonder if anyone out there actually got it. Like, any of the Sonic collectors have it in their collection. I would love to see it in person because it's just so rare. And the fact that we never got a, a Sonic the Hedgehog variant console in the U.S. is insane to me. Like, the fact that... like. It wasn't a thing they thought about. Like, Seaman got his own console. Uh, Sakura Wars, Hello right. Kitty. But not Sonic. Weird. So, that, that was always weird. But yeah, this is the only US or Western-centric one. Now we're going to look at the Japanese variant variants, which get kind of interesting. But first, we're going to look at the Millennium controllers, which is kind of... I, they really just reused right. these controllers without the Millennium thing, but these controllers were released in December 1999 uh, just to celebrate the year 2000, the new Millennium. They came in aqua blue, lime green, passion pink, and smoke. Obviously, these yeah these got reused for worldwide release. They just took off the logo. So, pretty cool. Talking about re-releases, though, the next image, we got the Super Black. Not just regular black, super black Dreamcast. Uh, this remind you of anything we saw before the the Sega Sports one because it really does look. <laughs> yeah, amazing. it totally does. Uh, also available, this was only available through Sega uh, Dreamcast Direct. It came with a console, was all black too, 
and there was only a hundred made. Uh, and they were supposed to be wow. made to order, so I'm assuming they just reused the leftover stuff. I don't. How can you even have leftover stuff when it's a hundred? I mean, probably not. They probably just manufactured a bunch, sold them off to uh, America, and then kept a hundred for themselves. I'm assuming. But uh, that makes very sense. cool. The next one is the pearl colors. These are like one of the trends that sega japan did was they would release three controllers under like a like banner like at the same time and uh these were the just like the millennium controllers these were the pearl color controllers and they came in pearl white pearl pink and pearl blue kind of not exciting controllers just very basic controllers um so if you, i don't know if i saw these in person i wouldn't be jumping for joy to pay a lot for them because they're not like very unique or very cool looking Especially compared to other right. stuff we're going to see. Just fine. Whatever. Um, the Diver 2000 Series CX-1 is a very unique variant that came bundled with a Dreamcast all-in-one TV. You've seen the TV probably. A Dream Eye, yeah. a microphone, and a matching keyboard. Oddly enough, the TV and the Dreamcast controller and keyboard don't even look alike. Like They're completely different designs. Like... It's like a transparent uh, uh, dark green, but the TV's blue. So this that is re- weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like they didn't even like design it together. It's like one thing was made, and then they were like, "Oh yeah," and then here's a controller. Use this one. Um, but the Japanese the bundle- keyboard was really nice. Oh yeah, better uh, than the looking US. At I I own I own the the Japanese one. That's the, the standard one. I think it's just clear plastic. Um, Can- it's small. It's nice and small. It fits on your lap. It's not like the American one that's just a, a straight up keyboard. It's a full size one. Yeah. In the in the U.S. Yeah. Can yeah. you can they just can they just be like can you use them on the U.S. Dreamcast as a like just a regular keyboard without Japanese stuff? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's no I'll problem with one. it. It works just great. Yeah. I do have the U.S. one, but I, I really wanted to ha- always have one, so maybe I'll it's just too pick. big. Too, yeah, the U.S. one's too big. I have it somewhere. I didn't even take it out. But um, this this whole TV bundle thing cost 88,888 Japanese yen, oh which would be about $787 today. Um, I don't know if the yen wow. got worse or, you know, I don't know how that works, but still a lot. Oh, yeah, here's two controllers. So I just wanted to finish up the see-through. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Sega released two, well, I mean... The 100% clear controller, which uh, and the Passion Pink one, which you you showed before, the Millennium one. Uh, these were variants in Japan. I mean, they're just see-through. One's pink. I really like the all see-through one, which, knowing me, it's probably going to be rare. Um, you know how it is. This though, this is these are the ones I really really like, like the camo one. Uh, for ma- mm. for military jungle dwelling snipers out there. That also loved the Dreamcast. Sega <laughs> released a camouflage color exclusively through Dreamcast Direct, which was their online store from 1999 through 2008. And now it's like Ebon or was it Ebitin or whatever? Epton. Epton. There you go. Yeah. That's what it's called now. But yeah, they used to they used to sell some really unique stuff. I remember being like like online like in 2002, 2003, and hearing about these cool controllers, and I'm like, I can't afford this. And it's probably even more expensive now if I just ordered it directly from Sega back then, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, here we have the silver metallic color and another exclusive through Dreamcast Direct. I mean, 
I like the black, like that they use the black uh, D-pad and stuff. It really gives it like a cool contrast. Nothing super special about this one though, but these are probably the coolest controllers and I'm assuming really hard to get because of the way you're supposed to get them. Back in the day, Sega Japan had a loyalty program called Dreampoint Bank, where you would fill out registration cards and send them off for points. This was really popular back then. I remember Capcom having a really popular one in the U.S. where you would mail off the mm -hmm. Capcom points. Sega released the following controllers exclusive to the service, uh, and it happened to be the most unique controllers they've ever released, in my opinion. We had a, we have the wood grain controller, the leopard print controller, and the marble floor controller. Um, okay, <laughs> did you ever fill out those cards in the back of your uh, manual and fill and send them into Sega for points or anything like that? No, I I don't know if the U.S. did anything like that, except for the Capcom ones you mentioned. But like, yeah, yeah that that oh that that leopard print one is just awesome i love that one very yakuza <laughs> like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it's so sick i'm surprised they haven't released like ps4 leopard print yakuza controller or anything like that right but yeah these are very unique i don't know how many they've made i don't know anybody that owns these controllers i've never seen them in person but uh i probably i i mean i'm not a violent person but i could rob someone for one of these controllers i mean they're pretty nice <laughs> Um, <clears throat> which one do you like? I mean, you like the leopard one better. I think they're all unique, but yeah, the leopard one really sticks out. Leopard one reminds me of um, Adriana on Sopranos. She oh, wears yeah. those like leopard bodysuits. Yeah, it reminds me of that. <laughs> and the next one we have is uh, it's it's not the greatest looking console, but the way it was given out is kind of interesting. Uh, it's the um. It's the R7 console that was uh, sold exclusively through Pachinko Parlors. So uh, I assuming they wanted you to gamble away like there were prizes in the gamble in a Pachinko Parlor. Uh, it came with a bunch of like I don't huh. even know like manuals and extra stuff. It's just a black console with a decal. Um, unlike the Sega Sports one, the you know the the D-pad or whatever is like gray. So. It's whatever. I mean, I wouldn't fight for this one. This isn't one of my favorite ones, but eh. Let's talk about Dreamcast game-themed controllers, which is something that I wish the U.S. did more of. Like, And it's also crazy the games they got the bundles, too. It's like, all right, cool. So the first one we're going to see, and you've seen this one in person, so you could talk about it more. The Seaman yeah. Clear and Xmas uh, controllers. Both of these were uh, came with a console, and both super freaking rare. The clear one only has 500 units made. The Xmas one has 850 units made. And they wow. were sold exclusively through HMV in Japan. So um, you've seen these in person. Let's be honest. The red Xmas one is ugly. It's like hideous controller. Um, I think I, I put mean, the, I think on I put one the hand, but one. it also reminds me of that... That Sorry, Bernie Stoller uh, picture. It reminds me of the Bernie picture we saw, where it's like oh. he's holding it and you get to see. But that one was like more shiny, wasn't know. it? Let me go back. Maybe, but I don't know. It's still. <laughs> uh, but like, I remember, yeah. and I'm actually I'm I'm digging around looking at our website because I posted, I think a three, two or three part article 
series where I was looking at what they had shown me. Um, and why I'm looking that up is because I'm pretty sure there was actually a really significant... Yeah, okay, so they did let me open it up. I looked at it. So what oh, was yeah, interesting right. about this one is that it came with a certificate. And the serial number on this one was 000 out of 850. So it was not a numbered model, which makes me think they made more than 850, but they gave triple zero ones to special, like either internally or to special uh, people within the company. But what's what's interesting too is that the... Um, the little thing it says it was reproduced and colored by Ute Sato. Saito. So that means the colors co actually come direct from the Seaman creator for the console and the controller. He picked those colors. Oh, I see it right here. It says, uh, "You're right." Yeah, yeah. I just I'm looking at the certificate right now, so people could see it in the thing. Millennium Limited Edition. Yep, zero zero zero. I wonder if the, yeah, like this was internally like you said uh, interesting hmm would that make millennium it... red is the name of the color yeah what do you think about the color scheme it's very mcdonald'sy isn't it i mean yeah I, I it's not bad i i think if it was just red and green it would have been cool but it's like kind of strange that there's a yellow button on the console and then a blue d-pad but they're not the same yellow and blue as the ab uh, a Y, A B X Y. You know, like the red mm -hmm. is different on the controller to the red. It's it is, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a strange one, but it's cool, and um, yeah, it's just it's amazing that I actually got to see one in person, and it just kind of makes me sad that someone probably just stole it. Oh, you know, it may hopefully it's still there. Hopefully, locked away in storage. Yeah. Um, the next one is Hello Kitty. You thought. That Sega's and Hello Kitty's relationship is something new? No, 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 my dude. W way back in the day, the little cat had its own two Dreamcast consoles. One blue, one pink. And it came with a keyboard that was really, really slick. Uh, and the see-through mm -hmm. console. These, these are pretty cool. I remember, I don't know how much they cost now, but I remember back in the day, these were like a hundred bucks on... Uh, on... Uh, on um, eBay. eBay? Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Just yeah. your camera was freaking out. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, they were supposed to be 100 I bucks. I saw... You've seen these before? I, I saw one um, at Video Games New York uh, about a decade ago, and they were not much money. Like, Video Games New York is always more expensive. They maybe wanted like 200 for it. So, yeah. Yeah, they're not that rare. But they're really cool looking, so if you're... Uh... You have a significant other that likes the Dreamcast. This is probably a cool present to get them, um, since it comes with they, like the keyboard and yeah, all. Yeah, they're that. not. You can you can buy them for two hundred fifty. So the blue ones sell for less than the pink ones. Blue ones are between two hundred and two hundred fifty. No, you can get the pink ones for two fifty. Yeah, it's not let's bad. get one. It's not bad considering like. How like rare stuff is gaining from twenty years ago, and I'm assuming it's going to go up in price. Well, and. The fact that you go to retro game stores now and they're like, you can just buy like a base Dreamcast for like $150 and it's like, really? $150? And they're like, oh, it's worth a lot. It's uh, Dreamcast. You, yeah. I didn't know they said that. 
I didn't know there was. Uh, they, they said that. I don't know. Yeah, like before the pandemic and stuff, you could get like a um, NES top loader for like a hundred bucks on eBay. Probably now they're probably tripling the price. So I don't know. Sega getting Resident Evil games was a big deal. Uh, Sega Japan celebrated by releasing two variant consoles with their own controllers. and but you can't buy these in in stores in Japan. You had to get them through competitive. They were like competitive prices they gave gave away. How hard was it to get? Hmm. Well, the red one, the ugly red one. I don't like the the little the VMU slot that's pink. Uh, it doesn't match my opinion. It's kind of ugly. That one had a thousand eight hundred units produced. The blue one only had two hundred units produced. So the the blue one's very rare. If you guys see the code veronica blue console then uh it's beautiful get it the red one it's still pretty rare i mean eight eight thousand eight hundred units meaning the less than two thousand people have it that's that's insane so these are rare uh the last one sakura wars uh i got two controllers the blue one came bundled with a with a console the other one i think was sold separately or maybe it was bundled with something and yes there was a sakura war I think there's two games on the Dreamcast. I'm, I'm not I'm not 100% sure. But that got a uh, bundle. As you could tell, the wow. the bundles were all basically Japanese uh, popular games. Seaman was really popular. Sakura Wars was really popular in Japan. Resident Evil is always popular in Japan. Oh, anywhere. Um, what games do you think was a missed opportunity not to get a... Uh, exclusive console or like exclusive controller and vmu like to me it's obviously clear like guys of arcadia jets air radio it's like dude a jets air radio console oh bubba i would love that dude Imagine. i mean yeah jets air radio console would be cool but would they do it i don't think so i think though the two that were really missed opportunities were like you mentioned sonic the hedgehog having his own console and the other one uh, I'm surprised you didn't think of it, George. Fancy Star Online. Because oh. imagine that. It's a all-in-one bundle. You do a PSO bundle. But comes with the game. Comes with an exclusive console. Like, clear blue. Wouldn't that be cool with the PSO logo on it? Like, it would be like this, basically. It would be the Millennium controller, but with Fancy Star Online instead. That'd be sweet, right? Yeah, it would be sweet. And it comes with a keyboard and the and the... Yeah. yeah. That would be yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, mark it up like seventy dollars or something from the base price of a console, like two seventy. You get oh, I would have been all over that. I'd be like, Psh, I'm gonna own a second Dreamcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would be too. I'm surprised Shimu did again get one, considering how much hype it had back then and the marketing behind it. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of games yeah. where I'm like, mm, I mean, they could have you know like bundled maybe like a bunch of fighting games. Like Street Fighter, like Marvel vs. Capcom and stuff, into with an arcade stick or something like that. Tried some different stuff. Talking mm. about arcade sticks and stuff, we're getting to the section where we're talking about other controllers. So the first one is the arcade stick. Uh, a lot of people back in the day talked really highly of Sega's arcade stick on the Dreamcast. Uh, I. I even got one in the back in the day, back pretty cheap. I think GameStop was having uh, mm-hmm. was trying to get rid of them because they were taking up too much stock. Um, um, oddly enough, though, uh, 
I learned today that Sega of America never released this in a, here. It was released through H-Tech. I didn't know that. I mean, I couldn't even tell the difference, to be honest. I don't think I even remember their, their logo or anything. It's just, hmm. I mean, it's just the Sega... It's the same arcade stick they released in Japan. They just released it here. But yeah, you have one, right? I do, yeah. I have the... Um... I, I had an opportunity to buy two, so there was a used game shop in Philadelphia. Uh, they had two of the sticks. I think they were $40 each. And I bought one, and I was like, I should buy a second. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't need to, and if someone else wants one. Like, this was back in the day before scalpers and, like, flippers and stuff. So it was like leaving one behind meant someone who actually wanted it would have picked it up you know mm. rather than now <laughs> and uh what's your you, yeah. you play a lot in arcades like what's your opinion on the stick you know like the quality of it like i know it was highly touted but do you think it lives up to that prestige yeah definitely i think it's 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 a good size it's a nice solid it doesn't feel too big it doesn't feel too small uh it definitely feels like a home console arcade stick but not in any of the negative ways. Also, I love the VMU slot. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Um, it's just it's kind of essential for the Dreamcast, just because the thing is such a arcade powerhouse. Yeah. Um, I I think playing like uh, for example Power Stone on this is a completely different experience, uh, and it's just it's a fun way to get that arcade experience for a lot of those. Um, Naomi arcade games you've never tried before in the arcade. So, yeah, it, it's a must-own, yeah, in my opinion. I, I have to agree. Uh, I really like that they kind of went with the Astro City uh, look here with the green buttons, uh, which is iconic for the uh, Astro mm -hmm. City, which we have a whole episode of, so you guys want to talk about candy cabinets, you guys can watch that. The next controller we're going to be talking about is the fishing controller. Iconic. Iconic. Uh, Dreamcast was pretty crazy <laughs> with its niche controllers releases, which I think it's something that we don't really get anymore. Uh, and one of those was the big, unique fishing controller that Sega made uh, for its debut game, Sega Bass Fishing. Um, the controller is officially compatible with eight games, which are six are fishing related, but also Soul Calibur and Virtual Tennis are listed as, uh, as you can play these games with like a Wii type waggle uh, interface, especially uh, virtual tennis, you could play it kind of like the Wii Mote. Mm -hmm. um, what do you own a fishing controller? Because like I remember when I was a kid in school, there was a guy that was into the Dreamcast because of the fishing games. That's it. Like I, he didn't even play games; he just liked fishing. I don't know. I I do own it. Yeah, it's in the other room. I I didn't think to bring it out because I I have so many controllers yeah. actually sitting on my desk here but um no it's it's i, w I wouldn't say it's as essential as like the arcade stick or no. even the light gun but it's a niche control if you can find it pick it up it's nice to have it's um it's just a shame that games like sega bass fishing gets re-released like out of all the games to put in the dreamcast collection they released that to like xbox 360 remember that yeah and it was like you can't use... There's no fishing controller, so half the fun of the game is dead, not there. Also, you can't use it with Big the Cat, which is such a strange thing because I feel like um, Sonic Adventure, The when they made it, they were like, let's utilize as much of the Dreamcast uh, hardware as possible with the Chow and the online interface and, uh, you know, utilizing every button. But then they make a fishing game, and I always thought, 
oh, you can get the, the fishing controller and play with Big. You can. It's unfortunate. Mm. I do think that this is also an evolution of that air controller that they were working on with it, the way it looked, you know. I mean, it does look like a fishing controller, mm. but I feel like a lot of the technology could have been used here. Um, the next one is uh, some controversy behind it, but the light gun, um, the Dreamcast, yeah. they call it the Dreamcast gun, uh, was said to be very good quality and the most accurate light gun made till this day, which is back in 1998. Uh and even had a mm-hmm. BMU slot. Uh, it came out in Europe and Japan. Is that right? And, but we... Oh, screw it. I'll go grab mine. So... <laughs> you keep talking, all right. I'm going to get my gun. So why didn't we get it? Well, there was a little event back in the day called Columbine High School Massacre that shocked the nation. So in fear of bad press, Sega of America decided not to release the gun. Uh, the USA... Uh, at least for the United States, right? But you could import it from another country... And like Barry said, he's going to go get his gun, even though we just talked about the Columbine Massacre. But um, it's kind of weird, though, because in my opinion... Hey, what did I miss? I was just talking... What did I miss? I was just just depressing everyone. I heard you. (laughs) I was just depressing everyone with the Columbine Massacre. I was just saying how weird it was that like a company like Sega decided not to do it because of uh, bad press, the light gun. But now we have so many school shootings that it's not really a shock anymore, so it wouldn't even matter today. But back then, it was a big deal for a lot of people. Well, I mean, like, real talk, Columbine was a, I mean, obvious tragedy at the time and still is. It's just unfortunate that now uh, school shootings have become so commonplace. Um, Back then, you know, for the younger, younger listeners listening to this, like... Columbine was the first like mass school shooting. It was, and and not only that, but it it had this narrative behind it about these two disturbed boys. What caused them to do it was the music. Was it the video games? Um, if you ever watched the documentary Bowling for Columbine, it's it's I I think a must watch. It really puts a lot of things into perspective. Um, but I think what's unfortunate is that there were a lot of things that were affected by it uh and you know for example this and obviously you you could say well it's just a stupid video game you can do without your light gun people died but i I think the problem is is you start going down this slippery slope where you're like oh let's let's ban anything and everything that we think contributed to it even though it didn't and because it's so inconsequential compared to a human life stop complaining and let just let the company or let people um, uh, ban it. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, wh- where, where does it stop then? Well, I mean, 9-11, uh, we had um, Propeller Arena canceled. And the reason for that was it was a near-finished AM2 arcade online um, flight game. And the reason they, they outright canceled it was because there's a level where there's buildings and you're flying around, but you're not meant to hit the buildings you can't do damage to the buildings. And it's almost like, why didn't they just cut that stage or change the buildings into something else, like mountains? Um, so it's just... it, And there's something really annoying, too. I don't know if you'll get into this in the notes. Mm. Um, did you know that... So this is the Japanese version, mm-hmm. right? I didn't put them in the notes. And so. this is... This is the American version. This is a third-party one from oh, Mad yeah. Cats. They that's made a few different one. American ones. Yeah, that's the next one we're talking about. Um, but yeah, but if you play a 
Japanese game with this, it will work. The Japanese oh, gun. Yeah, yeah. If you play an American game with the Japanese gun, it will say it's incompatible. Yep. So they specifically locked out even importers, which I think is insane. I believe Confidential Mission, I can't play it with this. I have to play it with this. <laughs> like, also, and it's like I was going to say, like the gun. Are you punishing me? Like I didn't, I didn't shoot a school up. <laughs> like what? The gun looks like a hot glue gun. Like it doesn't even look like a real gun. That's the biggest tragedy. Like these guns, the way they're designed. Neither one of them do. Yeah, the Sega Phaser. Now that looked like a real gun. This one, not really, dude. Like, why are you? Ban- there's really cool though. You, you can see on both of them the controller. There's the D-pad back here as well as the. Um, B button and the start button and then on this one the B button and the start buttons on the side but there's this really cool like d-pad but it's not a d-pad it's like a like a little raised bump with like little like little grips on it it actually feels really cool oh yeah I've never seen it before but yeah so yeah they, nice. we, right. we got the mad cats regularly one. scheduled show <laughs> we got the mad cats yeah. one that you mentioned right here uh, I don't really like it, and like you said, they also, um, I mean, I don't like the design look. I mean, I think both of them look really, like, not like guns, and I think that was obviously on purpose uh, because of, uh, you know, I think it was just something that was ongoing at the time. Like, the Sega Phaser that they released back in the day was super, like, black, and it looked like a real, like, gun, more than any other light gun ever released, in my opinion. This, come on, guys. Yeah. Also, locking it out is ridiculous. Stop. Stop it. The the VMU though, locking it in, it's so satisfying. You hear that? I'm gonna put this like up to the mic. Cl- you get this loading beautiful up a clip. click. Yeah. So sick. <laughs> and it's so cool. You can tuk tuk tuk, and then you can look at it, and it does it for this one too. It's it's just such a cool. I love all the the VMU integration for these things. It's just it's so cool. I love. Uh, it. What do you think about uh like the fact that you need a CRT TV for that? Well, I, I mean, it is what it is. Everyone had CRTs at the time, yeah. so it's like now people are complaining, but we weren't back then. I own two CRTs, so I'm I'm fine. For now. Until they die out, and then you're going to be like, oh, no. Did you see the... Never. Did you see that gun that they're making? Like, a third-party person is like... They, they're literally using modified Sega Saturn guns, you know, the, the light guns for the Saturn. And they're putting, like, a camera... Ah, yeah. Yeah, you've seen those? For like LCD screens, I have. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, hopefully it gets cheap. Put my gun and like we could bring back be, uh, light gun games and stuff on like modern hardware. That'd be uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool because like I feel like we're missing light guns. You know, like we haven't had it. Like in the mid two thousands was the last time we had the the comeback of light gun games. You know, so I'm like itching for more. Mm-hmm. The next one we're talking about is the official Sega Bracing Wheel. Um, this was not released in America by Sega. It was, again, H-Tech, but this is considered the worst officially licensed product Sega has because people say that it feels it. unresponsive and cheap. Uh, people consider the third-party offering here superior. Personally, I never owned a steering wheel growing up uh, for any game. Uh, like, I've never owned a steering wheel. They're too big, too much space. Mm. Setting it up takes forever, and I feel like racing games play fine on a controller. Have you ever owned an official Sega racing wheel? I never like even heard of anyone say Sega makes good racing wheels ever. So, <laughs> I own the Saturn one. Mm. It's big. It takes up a lot of space. I've never, 
I've always wanted to pick up the Dreamcast one, but then it's like shipping costs a lot, and like, am I ever going to use it? And it, I hear it sucks, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looks, there's nothing unique about it, it's just a black steering wheel, so whatever. Next, though, the somebody Amigo uh, themed maracas, which is... I didn't bring them yeah. out. Yeah, I was going to say... Uh, the only thing I could say about these is that they were made for Samba de Amigo. I mean, literally, these are unique for a video game. This is something that you kind of don't see happening anymore. Like, people don't release a video game and go, oh, yeah, but you have to play with a special controller to get 100% of the, you know, interactivity. Um, we did do a whole episode of Samba de Amigo where we talked a lot about Maracas. So if you want to shake over there and watch that one uh we talk a lot more about it but you're a big fan of the the maracas mm-hmm. right you you would call yourself the maraca expert yes. um what do you can you yes, tell yes i am the maraca expert what can you tell people <laughs> about this and why can't we cancel samba already isn't that something that we're we were talking about on twitter right yeah. ha ha sorry ha 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 george sorry. um yeah, no, so yeah, I mean, I love the Samba de Amigo Maracas. They make a lot of different ones. You can check them out on our uh, Samba de Amigo episode, but there's like, there's the Cha Cha Amigos, there's the, um, there's another one. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but they all have like names that kind of sound like Samba de Amigo, but don't. Uh, they all function pretty well. Some have gimmicks like light up, uh, some are clear, um, but. Yeah, they're all, I mean, they're all pretty decent. The official ones are always the best. Um, you can play Cool Cool Tune with them, as well as Samba de Amigo and Samba de Amigo version 2000. Uh, you can try to play games. I played Jet Set Radio with the Maracas, but you can only go um, forward to the left and down. No, that's all you need. Because it's, it's basically, the it's these buttons. Yeah, Basically, so you can't really do much. <laughs> so you can jump and like move in certain directions. Yeah. We might have talked about it on the Samba de Amigo episode, but was there an arcade version of Samba de Amigo with the maracas? Well, that's yeah. The ga- the right. the Samba de Amigo was an arcade okay. game. Uh, so yeah, but they function differently. Okay. The uh, home maracas have the sensor on the bottom, and it's tracking how far you are from the ground. The arcade version, I believe, is tracking where they are in front of the machine. Got you. I think that's the difference. Got you. That's, yeah. what, that's all I wanted to ask. If they were, like, arcade, like... Because sometimes, like, Sega would just take something from the arcade and then sell it to you. Like, the Sega Saturn had that arcade stick that looked like they just took it out of the arcade. Right, yeah. They do a good job emulating the, the pad and, like, the color of the maracas, but none of the equipment's the same. Gotcha. Um, but it, it's cool. The Wii, mo- the Wii version of Samba de Amigo, it based it on the angle mm-hmm. that you were holding the Wiimotes, which is really uncomfortable. Like, you have to, like, do that. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly, though, I wish we brought it back because, I mean, you can just imagine... Whoop, I just turned on my Xbox... Uh, <laughs> you can just imagine with like the switch, like I, I guess you could do it, like like they do the. I don't know. Do the, I'm just surprised we haven't seen they it. They do the stupid just dance games or whatever on the switch, and they seem to work with just moving mm-hmm. around the controller. So I'm sure they could do it. Then are they stupid? Uh huh. I mean, it depends on who you are. I mean, I am a big Andre Grande Grande fan, so I mean. <clears throat> the uh, Andre Grande. <laughs> I don't even know her name. 
Um, twin sticks. These are like a trend. Yes. From Sega, like Sega would really, they released one on the Sega Saturn for Virtual Lawn, so obviously they had to make one mm-hmm. for the Dreamcast. This was for the Virtual Lawn game that they released on Dreamcast, but only released in Japan, so never released in America. Mm-hmm. Do you own this controller? And why does it look like they just I painted it? I don't, and I was like the Dreamcast logo. So I've been watching, it does look like they painted it. Um, I've been watching eBay auctions for the last few years just because I'm like, oh, I don't own this. I should get it. It's not – I mean, there's so many of them. You look on eBay and right now I'm seeing at least 20. Just buy them. Um, oh. They all sell for between 120 oh. and $200. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one game. So to be quite honest, like I've – right, for one game – you know, I've, I've, as I've said on this show before, I'm going to Japan next year, so I'm kind of just waiting, See, and I think I'm just going to pick one up while I'm there. It's got to be cheap. Yeah, I'm sure I'll find one. And this one. is a pretty unique design. Like I said, the, like the Dreamcast logo in the middle is gray. It has a really big start button in the middle, which I like. I wish the arcade stick had that, mm-hmm. like just a big. Because you know, sometimes you go mm-hmm. in the arcade and when you hit the the start button, you just like want to slam it down on there. You're like next, or you know, press the the the, the clicky button. This reminds me of that. Right. It's very cool. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you get it for cheap in Japan because I'm, sh- I'm assuming prices to a hundred and up. Give it to me thirty five bucks. I, I doubt it'll be a hundred. Yeah. I bet I could get it for under a hundred for sure. The only thing that's going to stop you is how much stuff you have lo- <laughs> packed in your luggage, right? The, the weight. Well, I think you buy you buy a suitcase, right, or you ship it home. Oh yeah, you, <laughs> you do know? that for sure. Um, I don't know how yeah. the prices are, yeah. but it would be pretty cool. I mean, that would probably be a lot easier. The last one is the most important, I would say, the keyboard and mouse. Um, all regions mm-hmm. had their own kind of version. In America, we literally just had a full-size keyboard. Uh, and the, I never owned the mouse, so I never actually had it in my hand. I did own a Dreamcast <sighs> keyboard, obviously. Uh, uh, as the Dreamcast had internet browsing, typing of the dead, and the ability to chat on IRC, they needed a keyboard and mouse, at which they officially released. The combo worked great for uh, Quake 3. I played it with a controller. So uh, Japan got a variety of colors. In North America, we were kind of boring with the white-gray look. Also, if you go through right. SegaNet, you, your keyboard had a SegaNet logo and not a Dreamcast logo. So that's why you could tell them apart. Because they were doing like these like giveaways, basically. You signed up for... like a month or a year of Sega Net and you got like a free keyboard. Then it was like a free console with the keyboard. Right. It's kind of ridiculous back then. But did you use mm-hmm. the mouse and keyboard a lot? And do you own the mouse or just the keyboard? Because I know you have a keyboard. Yeah. Okay, you got both? I do own the mouse. I own the mouse and keyboard. I had a set of... It's kind of funny. So when I was in high school, we moved and I had a basement room um, well, I guess garden level because I could look out and see the backyard. And I set up this corner where it was my CRT, it was my Dreamcast, it was my keyboard and my mouse, and then it was like this U-shaped or this L-shaped desk, and then the other side it would be where I would draw and do homework and stuff. Mm. But it was really cool because it was like having a TV computer. And so I'd use the web browser, I'd use the internet on it, and if it was time to play Fancy Star Online, I would just like, you know, use the keyboard. I would play the game with this and then I'd put down the controller and type and chat to people. Um, and now here I am, like 20 years later, I'm in a basement again. 
I have a computer here with a, a keyboard, and then I have a console hooked up next to me. It's not Dreamcast, but you know, it's just how yeah, is the, full circle. I'm back at it. How was the tracking on the mouse? Like I never had it. It, it was we, good. It was good. Okay, because the keyboard kind it of had like, the ball. You know, the keyboard was all right. Like it didn't have like a tactical feel, like a you know a more expensive keyboard. But like I said, they were giving them away. So uh, for the time, I think they were pretty good for what you got. Yeah. Because, like yeah. Like, my keyboard cost me over 100 bucks. Like, obviously, this $15 keyboard they were giving away for free on SegaNet isn't going to be the same quality, right? So... It feels like an old PC keyboard. Mm-hmm. And... Like the school I ones. mean, so it was kind of in line with what we had at the time. But when Apple started releasing their keyboards, you'd be like, oh, this thing looks like crap <laughs> compared to, like, an Apple keyboard. And, uh, you know... On the... On the Japanese ones, did they have the same like full size keyboards, or was it more like the Apple one where they were flat, like like a they were small. laptop? They were like, I mean, I they were like the Apple keyboard. Yeah, like that's this, what I like just small, but it was nice because it it was it fit on your lap perfectly. It was like a little like bento box. They're you know? also like it felt like you were. They're also cuter. Like they're just yeah. like nice and compact. Like the American one just looks Absolutely. like a office keyboard. They ripped out and they're like Dreamcast there. And the buttons weren't clicky. They didn't sound like click, 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 click. They were more like softer press. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And they were clear, which was cool. So here we have a link to third-party controllers. I'm not, we're not going to go through them all or oh anything because there's so many Let's of them. Let's do it. No. But um, if you go all the way to the bottom of the page, there's like this like – they kind of like how Sega Retro has the whole like – you can see all the Sonic levels. Shows you a little, mm-hmm. like the little pictures of all of the Dreamcast controllers they released third party that weren't official. The one that I know the most is this black Astro Pad. That's the one that one of my friends bought because it was so cheap. And he's like, "Oh yeah, you get to play with this controller, man. I hate this controller. It's one of the worst controllers I've ever had to use." Um, yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah, the I didn't Astro have to Pads use- they. Go on. They were like half the price. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were shitty. They were mm-hmm. terrible feel. The the directional pads just felt awful. Like if people compla- complain about the official D-pad, those ones, it was just like playing like a knockoff of a knockoff. It was awful. I actually, I have two unofficial ones in hand here. So I have the Quantum Fight Pad. I believe this is on the list. Yeah, I think... Maybe it's I think not. it's labeled DC. Computer. Yeah, there it is. Close. Where is it? Quantum Fighter Pad. It's oh, on yeah, the I bottom. See it. Yeah, I see it. Um, Ugly. So I guess if we if we do want to talk about these, we can talk about the two I have. So, so yeah. the the Quantum Fighter Pad, third party controller. It's uh, created for by a company named Ret Recaton. <laughs> yeah, Recaton. And it was distributed under uh, Interact, which is here. Um, it it's terrible. It's yeah. really bad. The um the triggers, like look at these triggers. They're not like the Dreamcast triggers where they're like a um a trigger. They are like straight up like like Yeah. Look yeah. at that. Oh my god. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a it's just like pushing a a peg into a hole. Oof. And it's not it, your fingers slip off of them. See that? Like, there's no grip. And if you do manage to push them in, listen to that. It's so loud. Uh, the D-pad is really big. And the thing is, is here's how my hands lay when I hold the controller. Oh. So my fingers don't even go over the D-pad. Like, now, compared to Dreamcast. 
Hey, Barry, here's your Dreamcast controller. Let me grab it. Oh, look, my hand goes right. But when I uh, when I grab this one, my finger does it. It's just like your finger needs to go inwards. It's so bad. Um, the start button, big, ugly red start button. So, yeah, this thing's shitty. This thing's awful. I love it. Um, <laughs> I was going to say... The other one... I was going to say yeah. about the the six button front facing buttons. I'm assuming the last two are just the triggers, like on the front. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. It, they call them Z and C, A B C X Y Z, which is, I mean, yeah, it goes with the Sega pads. Um, the other one though, it's actually pretty nice, and it's an unofficial. So the ASC two pad, the fight pad. This mm-hmm. is the unofficial one from a company called Uno. Uh, I picked it up at Video Games New York. Um, it was very cheap. It came boxed in, I think there's actually a picture of it here. It's like a weird rainbow color. Um, it's nice, though. It's actually a really nice third-party pad. Um, Is that the one that was made by SNK? It's great SNK? for fighting games. Yeah. No... I don't think SNK made this one. It's by a company called Uno, which is okay. like a knockoff of the SNK one. But what's interesting is that if you put your VMU into it, there's only a single slot, uh, and it sticks out like that. Isn't that weird? That is weird. <laughs> so you can see you can see the VMU buttons. It's not hidden or anything, but it's. Uh, I mean, it's nice. I don't know. I have no complaints about it. It's a nice. It's actually a nice pad to throw to someone who doesn't want to deal with a Dreamcast pad, and you're playing like a, a 2D fighter. But obviously, you're not going to play Power Stone or Sonic Adventure with this. I don't even think it would work because there's no D-pad unless this. I don't know what this is mapped to, but I'm assuming this is mapped to the D-pad, not the analog. Uh, rubber buttons though feels really nice, like a Saturn pad. Um, yeah. And there's a vi- it's supposed to have built-in vibration. It says vibration on off, but maybe no. I think it. I think it has built-in vibration. Yeah, rumble. Built in. So that's cool. One third-party controller we kind of didn't talk about that kind. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is the Konami pad for uh, Dance Dance Revolution? I don't know if you want anything to say anything about mm-hmm. it, but uh, this was released in 2000. And it was a special dance. I mean, obviously, you play Dance Dance Revolution. You know how it works. Um, did you do you own this? Were you big into uh, Dance Dance Revolution back in the day? Because I know it became a thing in the two thousands, right? The arcades. I was briefly into it. I own the PS two pad, but I, yeah, I'm not. I wasn't into it enough to look up the the Dreamcast one. Yeah, like it just looks like a plastic sheet that has like uh, when you step on it. I mean, it doesn't look anything super interesting. It only came out in Japan. I'm assuming it's probably rare because I mean, I didn't even know there was a Dance Dance Revolution game on the Dreamcast. Like, so I w- I'm not that big into Dance Dance Revolution. I know there was Feet of Fury or whatever that was an indie game. I do remember that one, and I think they yeah, used the pad. That's a good one. So. Do you remember stuff like that? There's some steering wheel third parties and light guns, which, I mean, isn't surprising. I'm surprised that they did a third-party fishing rod. That's my thing. It's like, dude, okay, all right. There was a there was a market for a third-party one. All right, that's cool. Um, let's talk about, um, I guess you would say new controllers, right? There's like this trend right now uh, where, compu- where, where companies are talking about how to make the Dreamcast controller. There's this new, like, 
new companies are making retro controllers, but new for like new hardware, PC. Um, what else? I don't know. Like there, like I have the RetroBit Sega Genesis controller that's wireless. I really like it. Uh, it works fine for me. I know people complain about RetroBit, but we'll we'll talk about them first. But first, before we talk about RetroBit, I want to talk about the the fighter. What's this one called? Uh, the Retro Fighter Striker DC Dreamcast controller that have their own unique shape. Offers a 10-foot cord, which is longer than the original. Supports all VMU accessories. Highly responsive D-pad. Uh, supposedly a more rubber hmm. rubber joystick. Pressure-sensitive triggers and digital shoulder buttons. And turbo functions. The only thing I would say is the drawback is that they want 55 bucks for this controller. And I'm like, the Dreamcast controller came out and cost like 30 I understand inflation and all that stuff, so I'm assuming 55 isn't the worst. But like, I don't know. Do you think 55 is a lot when you could buy the original e on eBay for probably less? Like, how much is Dreamcast controllers going for the original white? Like, I would say Let's like do 20 it. Let's bucks. Let's look. Right? Like, if you were just trying all to right. get one, you know, like 55 seems like a lot for that market, but uh, it, it does have improvements. It's not wireless though. So. Twenty bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So save thirty bucks. I mean, would you buy if you were a new collector? Would you recommend like a Striker DC Fight Pad, or would you tell the people just play the original with the original controller? If you play the Dreamcast constantly in the modern era, then definitely go for one of the new pads. Just if you don't like the original pad, but if you're casual. Or if you were a hardcore Dreamcast fan and then you're like me who like now just plays it maybe like once a year, you don't need it. Mm. You don't. The, I mean, how often do you play your Dreamcast? Mm, right now it's out of commission because I try to do the modification for the stupid DC HDMI and I screwed it all up. So <clears throat> I can't play it. I'm hoping to uh, fix it. We'll see how that goes. I might just send it off to someone to fix it for me because I suck at soldering. Mm. And and just pay the whatever, but um, not that much. I would be honest with you. I've been playing the Sega Genesis more lately. Like I said, um, like I was telling you, I was I played that. Uh, I played the the was it Quack Quack Shot or whatever that we talked about, and then we I mm. played a bunch of other ones. Awesome game, Revenge of Shinobi. Yeah, I yeah, beat yeah. recently, so I've been enjoying the Dreamcast. But I mean the Genesis Dreamcast, not right now. I haven't been playing it. Also, I've been playing Metroid Dread, so I actually have a new game to play. So I. I you know, I'm with you. Like, I'm good with the original controller. This is cool. But the future of the Dreamcast controller is probably going to be this RetroBit controller that they teased in April 11th, 2020. Um, they were supposed to basically reposition the triggers, have a six-button layout, but keep kind of the original look of the Dreamcast controller, which I like because the original look of the Dreamcast controller, like we said in the beginning, is unique. They were supposed to redesign the D-pad to make it more like a Sega Saturn D-pad. Uh, obviously, new analog stick, and it was going to have a wireless model. Obviously, they said that it was supposed to come out late 2020. It's late 2021 during the recording of this podcast. It hasn't come to fruition. What is your opinion on this whole redesign? I think we did a Sega News Bits on it, and we were kind of like sour. Lately, I'm like, you know mm. what? At least they're keeping the original look, you know? But what's your opinion on this? Right. Um, I, I think I've warmed 
to it a bit. I'm pretty sure that on the Sega News Bits, I probably complained about how they called it the Dreamcast Pad, but it's clearly not the Dreamcast Pad because enough changes were made to it. Um, you know, like, just call it something different. But, uh, yeah, all in all, I, I'm i looking forward to it if it happens. I honestly think it's not happening yet because they haven't figured out how to do a wireless VMU. I don't think it's possible. I don't think the Dreamcast pad can send your save data over the airwaves. You know what I mean? I don't think that's possible. I don't think it is. The closest I've seen... So there is, and I think you did a review of it, but it's a dongle that lets you play PS... PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4 controllers on a Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Is that Yeah, that's it. Well, and it's uh you Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Go on. You can hack the dongle to hold a certain amount of VMU blocks. It's not a lot, but it's enough to like save a game. 200, I think. Um yeah, so I I really don't know what they've run into. Um but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're running into. I'm surprised they didn't release at least a wired version of this. Uh, maybe I don't know. Especially now with like COVID, you know, it could be that they couldn't get parts. Mm-hmm. You know, I I did go on their store and they're still selling Nintendo 64 controllers, but like, I don't think any of the new controllers. Like, there's no new controller. Like, I think they did like a red variant of the Genesis controller that yeah. they were advertisement, but like, that's not new parts or anything. You know, like they just did the new shell, right? So, my, right. in my opinion, maybe it has to do with COVID. We don't know right now, obviously. But this could be an interesting thing, especially if... Like, I want one without the six-button control... I mean, facing thing, just because... Like, it's... The, I want one designed in mind the way it was, but, like, fix the analog stick and the D-pad, you know? Like, it's not going right. to bother me that it has the extra two buttons. I could just ignore them, obviously, but... Yeah, I mean, outside of that, I, I'm I might pick one of these up when it comes out. I think it's more unique, and I just like the idea of having a wireless controller. Like the guy that created the console wanted that to happen, and somebody's gonna make it happen. I'm happy with that. So it'd be interesting yeah, just in that, absolutely, in that aspect of it. Yeah. But um, anything else you want to say about the Dreamcast controller before we close it up for today? Um, no, I I think I just want to say that this was uh it was a fun and different episode it was a lot more of a sega talk than it was like a sega schoolhouse which Mm -hmm. i feel like most episodes are um so it was cool just to kind of go through them talk about them um if you like the format of this episode definitely check out our candy cabinet episode which is similar where we run through the history of sega's candy cabinets and just look at all the different models discuss the evolution um but yeah here's my Here's the controllers I had sitting on my desk. It's like you. So uh, I can do here. Here's my uh, my YouTuber thumbnail. Well, I mean, you can it, see it on the video. It looks like you just caught a, a bunch yeah. of fish. Hey, look at that! I got them. But man, look at these chunky boys. Look at that. They feed your family, dude. Right there. It's beautiful. You got them open. But yeah, I, I have fond memories of the Dreamcast controller, and um, no hate. I love all the different varieties, uh, even the stupid ones. It's just, it's such a fun, a fun fitting farewell to Sega hardware to have such a unique controller uh, to talk about. And, you know, speaking of talking about them, George, our Patreon pals over at the Sega Bits Patreon, they had a 
lot to say, um, which uh, <laughs> means I have to say all this stuff while I have a sore throat. But who cares? I'll do it. Um, so if you support us on our Patreon at any level, we will read what you write, even if you write like, oh boy, some of these guys. Uh, first up, we have Daniel Andres. He says, I absolutely love the Dreamcast controller. It might not be my favorite controller of all time, but it's great and perfect for what it is, the Dreamcast controller. It works incredibly well for practically every game on the system. I remembered when I first played the game like Shenmue, for example, I didn't feel bothered by controlling Ryo with the D-pad. The game just felt natural for everything that it does. The only uh, the only other best way to play it would be on the Xbox One. Uh, sometimes I'd like to imagine what it would be like if there was a revision to the controller, like a six-button equivalent. Uh, would it be similar to something along the lines of the original Xbox? Who knows? We can only imagine. Well, I guess we'll find out when that retro bit comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicholas Schaefer says, So Dreamcast is my favorite system of all time. But one thing I don't like about it is its controller. Don't get me wrong, the button layout is great. In fact, that's probably why I like Microsoft and Nintendo over Sony's controllers, because they are closer to the Dreamcast, but my big hands would hurt holding the grips, and Mad Cat's controllers would constantly break. But then I found Nyko controllers that fit like a glove and held up. I had two of them, a wireless one. Oh, really? They had a wireless one? And an Airflow one for my sweaty hands. I bet it didn't use the VMU, though. We'll have to look up, look that up after the show. Um, as for the VMU, way ahead of its time, I feel like another year and it could have had rechargeable batteries and MP3 uh, would have been a mad success, but unfortunately it had to be brilliant before technology could meet its full potential. Uh, Alexa Carroll says, I didn't get to really experience the Dreamcast controller until sometime in the early 2010s when a friend gave me their old system and I thought it was great, it had some oddities. Like, I'm not huge on the hard plastic analog stick. The wire coming out of the bottom that you had to clip on the back is kind of awkward, and its D-pad isn't the best, especially compared to the Genesis and Saturn controllers, but it more than makes up for it with the look and feel. It has the wonderful, sleek, yet playful Y2K aesthetic that I love. The same could be said for the whole console, really. And it also is very comfortable to hold, and it's great grips and curved triggers. The whole thing kind of feels like a cool toy, Something helped in no small part by the two expansion slots uh, in the VMUs. And if I can cut in for a second, George, I was just reminded, remember when it was a boat in All-Stars Racing Transformed? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it looks like a boat. Yes. Like, talking about the shape of it, it looks like a boat. Or if you've seen Star Wars Episode Three, it looks like General Grievous's uh, spaceship yep. upside down. Check that out. Yeah. Um, uh, Alexa says... It also reminds me of a time before controllers were all pretty much uniform and how basically everyone copies the Xbox 360 now, although I love that controller too. Um, I do miss how unique controllers used to be designed. It really helps consoles feel different from one another and more special in general. In a way, though, the Dreamcast controller could be seen as a predecessor for what would end up as the modern controller layout, so it's interesting how it's simultaneously one of the last breaths of old design as well as a sign of things to come. Alex Hughes says two words to describe it aesthetically pleasing that's true Hams Hams says the controller was alright it did its job at the time although looking back it really needed a second analog stick and I missed the six face button layout of the Saturn pad all controllers should have six face buttons I kind of agree there yeah Uh, and then finally we have Taze Bell my Dreamcast memories were less experiencing the console myself and more drooling from afar. 
or from the other side of my computer screen more accurately. I lived in a relatively small town, never had enough uh, much money, so getting my hands on one was either easier said than done. However, I do remember spending hours upon hours on YouTube watching footage from games I wanted to play. The ones that stick out in my head uh, the most are Jet Set Radio, Skies of Arcadia, and Fantasy Star Online. Now, I did own both Sonic Adventures on GameCube and have since played previously listed games minus PSO via their GameCube and PS3 ports. That, and I have since gotten a Dreamcast, and I love it dearly, even if it does suffer from a sticky eject button. Oh. Well, it's better than like a... That, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't no. hear it, but the people at home... Oh, squeaky, 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 squeaky. All right, close it up, George. Thank you guys for watching this episode of Sega Talk. If you guys like these more Sega Talk and less learning, let us know on our Patreon page or email <laughs> us on segabits at gmail.com. Thanks for watching. Bye. Bye. <laughs>